Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, it is great to see you guys. Y'all doing all right? Hope you're having a great weekend. As you can see, we have a full house, and this is a great opportunity for me to invite you to Saturday night service. We do have 4 o'clock and 5.30 service on Saturday night, and if you're able to move over to that service, it would help us a lot. So it's great to have you guys here this weekend. Um, As uh, Pastor Matt said, this is our last weekend in our Beyond series, and uh, super excited about sharing today. I know a lot of you have come with your commitment cards today, and again, this is an historic weekend where we are... uh, going on this three-year journey together. So we're super excited about it today. I do want to stop for just a moment and just uh, tell you, I'm super excited that my mother-in-law is here this weekend. And um, um, I know I, a lot of y'all love my mother-in-law jokes. Uh, listen, most of them are not jokes. They're reality. She is the coolest mother-in-law ever. And uh, But you, a lot of you know that uh, she is as... Um, was diagnosed with cancer, and a lot of you have been praying, and uh, she has gone through the whole uh, process and getting treatment, and she today is cancer-free. Amen? So thank you so much for praying for her. I love my mother-in-law. I have the best mother-in-law in the world, and uh, I'm super, super excited that she is here today with us. Um, If you've got your Bibles today, grab them and go to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. This is our theme scripture for the Beyond uh, series, and I want us to read this together today, and I really want this scripture to really sink into your heart. Um, If you don't have your Bibles, the scripture is going to be on the screen. You can follow along with me. Let's do this together. Y'all ready? Okay, one person. Uh, (laughs) Are y'all ready? Y'all, if y'all participate with me, we will get out of here really quick. If y'all get nervous and like get quiet, we will be here like to one, two o'clock today because I'll be trying to find it, the message. So help me out today. Let's do this together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. What a powerful scripture. The apostle Paul gives us this promise and uh I love the fact that the Bible tells us that God is able to do beyond, abundantly beyond anything that we, that, that we could ask or imagine. That God is able to do abundantly beyond anything that we ask or imagine. Um, And most of us love that about God, but what we don't realize is the last part of that scripture says that it is according to the power that is at work within us. God's power is at work. That same power that is able to do abundantly beyond anything that we ask or think is at work within us. God is a God of the beyond. And part of 
of the way that God works is that God's power is continually calling us to move beyond our own limitations. That God's power is continually, God at work inside of us, God moves us and, and, and takes us to places that sometimes we are like, there's no way that I could have accomplished what I accomplished. There's no way that I, I could have married that person. And all the men ought to say amen right there. There's no way that would have happened. That was God's power at work inside of your life. And it's a beautiful thing to think about how much God wants to work through us. And, um, you know, for those of you that have not been a part of this series the last three weeks and you have not really uh, uh, been a part of really the, the spiritual journey that we began, you know, three weeks ago, we, we, we launched in as a church into this spiritual journey where we began to talk about where we really see God taking us as a church and how important it is for us to step in confidently into where God is taking us. And where we find ourselves today, it didn't just happen all of a sudden. This is a, a, a thing that God has been working now for years in, in really the vision of this church and what, what God wants for the future. And, um, you know, four and a half years ago, the church leadership, the elders began to pray. We began to pray and just really ask God about the future, about what we should do. And we began to ask ourselves, really, um, where, where are you taking us as a church? Where, where are we going as a church? And we began to really just ask God about the, to give us a fresh vision and to really show us what, what, what is it that God sees. And you know, vision is important. Proverbs 29, 11 says, without vision, people perish. And uh, this is important for you personally in your life. If you don't have a vision for your life, you're just going to kind of wander. And you probably have been at different seasons of your life where you didn't have vision for your life. And this is important for a church also. If a church doesn't have a vision for where God wants us to go and what God wants us to be, it's very easy for us to lose sight about what this is supposed to be all about. Man, it's easy to lose sight of, of what God's vision is for the church. Do you know that the church was started by God? It is what God loves. It, and the church is, is, is people. And do you know that the church is the hope of the world? I said, the church is the hope of the world. It's not politics. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of politics. I don't even want to watch TV. Listen, politics and, and saying, man, I wish we could change this or whatever, that's not going to change the world. What's going to change the world is the church, and God is entrusted. A, the church, we are the church, and we get to be a part of what God is doing, and we began to pray about the vision and, uh, of the church and, and what, where, where are we going? The elders began to pray again four and a half years ago. And, you know, vision uh, and just seeing things and not doing anything about it is not real vision. Real vision is seeing something and taking action. And in Genesis is a great example of this is where, where God took Abraham and he said, I want you to look out on that. As far as you can see, the land that you can see is for you and your children in the next generation. 
And what God wasn't saying to Abraham is, this land I'm giving you, you just got to sit back and let me build your house and let me build the barns, let me build everything. No, what God was saying to Abraham is, I'm giving you a divine opportunity. And we believe, the leadership of this church believe that God has given us a divine opportunity, that we are a part of something that supernaturally God is doing. And we began to look around, and and one of the things that you've noticed over the years here in Mansfield is that Mansfield is growing like crazy. People are moving from all over the, 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 the nation into this city. And just to give you perspective, when Creekwood started 14 and a half years ago, the population of Mansfield was 35, a little bit more than 35,000 people. We have a, a picture that we took when we were, we were just getting to know and coming into Mansfield. It said, a little green sign said, population 35,000 something. Do you know that now the school district alone has more than 35,000 students? That's how crazy the growth that's happened in this city. And through this growth that has happened in the city, it started to affect our church. And people have, again, uh, man, it's been a great problem to have. Our services, a lot of, especially our 930 and 11 o'clock services, 90% full. And causes us to have to really stretch our our children's classes. and, And just our whole building begins to start to limit us. And it brings us to a place. That it would be easy for us to go, well, what we need to do is put a sign out in front of the church that there's no more vacancy. We're, we, we have run out of space. And so this is why we started seeking God, and we knew that we needed to do something. And God began to show me something, and part of it was that we needed to start looking for land. We started looking at all different kinds of, of property, and we've got, you know, the realtor that was working with us, and uh, man, he was looking at all different, I, I didn't feel peace about anything, and um, one day I was on 1187, and I'm just kind of reviewing this real quickly with you, because I want you to really feel and know the miracle of all of this, of what we, where we find ourselves in, is that I was on 1187 looking at the billboard that I'd been asking God for, and finally we got the billboard, I, I get to the billboard, and we I was so excited about it and just thanking God. I look across the street and I see a for sale sign for 100 acres. And I called our realtor and said, hey, could you get a hold of them? And long story, we that afternoon we're going over there to meet the owners. The moment I walked on the property, I knew in my heart this was where God wanted us to be. And I knew it was Creekwood's home. I was so excited and I was like, Y'all, this is the place, and um, I went home that afternoon, and I, I was just sitting in my living room and my, by my fireplace, and God started having this uncomfortable conversation with me that God was asking me this question, Stephen, do you trust me? And I said, God, you know I trust you. I wouldn't have moved to this city if I didn't trust you to start this church. I trust you. And he said, well, where we're going to go, you're going to have to trust me like you've never trusted me before. And he said, tell the landowner that whatever he wants for the land, the church is going to buy it. And how many of you know that's crazy? He could have made up any kind of number. But I said to him, I said, I know you hear from God. I don't know if God was speaking to him or not, but I was going to speak it to him. (laughs) And I said, I know you hear from God and whatever price God tells you, we're going to buy it for that. He came back with $2.8 million and I said, we'll buy it. We don't have $2.8 million. A little bit later on, he calls back and he says, well, 
we, we're going to, like, I'm going to own or finance it for the church at 0% interest. And for the first 10 years, y'all can just pay whatever you want to pay. How many of you know that's a miracle of God? It's God working. And I, I'm, I'm telling you that because you need to know you're a part of something divine. That something supernatural is it's much bigger than we are. See, the question that I automatically have been just going to God about and going and walking that land and crying and seeking and asking God, God, why did you give us 108 acres? Like most churches have 15 acres, 20 acres. God, why 108 acres? And what God began to show me is that, Stephen, I have been showing you that this land, the city is growing like it is, and people are coming from all over, and we got to be ready for all the people that are coming to know me. And the reason why God has given us 108 acres is, listen to me, we are going to be a part of a supernatural move of God in this city. Give God... We are going to be a part of, see, the greatest, the greatest miracle is not the price of this land. The greatest miracle is not the fact that it is beautiful. The greatest miracle will be for generations to come, the students and kids that will be saved on that land. They will come to know Christ, and you will one day be able to look back and say, I was a part of the church, that we had an opportunity for God to use us. Now listen, how's God going to do this? Um, it's easy to kind of go, well, man, let's just sit up here at Creekwood and we're going to worship God. And Pastor Stephen, you just preach your heart out and, and we're, we're going to pray for the angels to get to building over there. We need the angels with their tool belts to show up over there at the 108 acres. Let them start building. We'll show up over there and check on things once in a while. That's not the way it works. As much as you want to believe that maybe that's how church works and, and how God builds his church, the way God builds his church is through people. That God channels, listen, God channels his love. God channels his grace. Do you know that you're the hands and feet of Jesus? That every time you show love, do you know that you are never more like God than when you show forgiveness and grace? But do you know that you're never more like God when you, you are generous? And what God is going to do is God is going to channel the resources through us. I know some of you get nervous when a pastor starts talking about money, and you're like, baby, get, hold your wallet. And it gets a little tense, and I, I, I don't apologize for talking about this today. I don't. Because God loves this city. And there are people in this city that need to come to know Christ, and uh, I, I'm going to say this to you all. So listen, uh, if you're here today and you're like, I, I, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this. That's okay. There's no pressure about that. This is not something that we have to do. This is something that we get to be a part of. And this three-year journey that we're going on together where we're committing ourselves to making sacrifices that we're saying, you know what, I'm not going to Starbucks for the next three years. Some of you are like, now hold on, Pastor. <laughs> Go to McDonald's. I don't know. You do, what, you do what you need to do. And I'm just telling you, the sacrifice is worth it. 
it's worth it maybe that you say, you know what, I don't have to drive a brand new car and try to, you know, like have a, a better car than my neighbor. I don't have to get, like, I'm okay with the house that I have. We don't have, listen, it's worth the sacrifice. This is a, 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 a massive thing that God is, is, is allowing us to be a part of. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm excited. I, I am excited about this because, again, God is going to do this. And I want to show you just, just very quickly, again, uh, this is a picture of the property. Um, kind of gives you an idea, 10 acres. There's a, a future wedding chapel down here, and all the single ladies said, all the single ladies, come on. Um, future develop. Do we need to have y'all raise your hand like y'all can meet? Um, we got single ladies over there raising their hands. They're like, hey. Um, future development of a camp. And uh, again, a, a lot of us, man, we remember as kids going to kids camp or going to a youth camp and where God changed our life. We, listen, we have the land to do that. Also at the top, you see uh, sports fields, a student center. Um, listen, we're dreaming. We, we see as part of the future that there are going to be over 2,000 students every single week worshiping God and seeking God. See, listen to me. We can criticize. Amen. We can criticize this next generation. We can sit up in church and sit up in here on our butt. And we can post stuff about the next, this generation and whatever. But listen to me. I believe the greatest thing we can do for this next generation is not criticize them. The greatest thing we can do is to step up and say, God, I believe that you are going to raise up the greatest generation that has ever walked this planet. And we have an opportunity to reach kids through this, this student center. Again, you see the worship center. Ultimately, it will seat 1,500. Um, our children's space, uh, it's, it's going to be beautiful. Listen, I believe in the next generation. This church, our vision from day one has been we believe in the next generation. I know some of you grew up maybe in a church where you hated going to church as a kid. And part of the reason why I, listen, from day one, I have always been like, we need to give kids candy. <laughs> we're like the, can I'm the like, like, we're the church that gives you, you're like, you need to pay for my kids' cavities. <laughs> they've got, they can, like, big old snicker bars, I, 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 like the Starburst you see out in the foyer. I fought for that, y'all. We had, like, staff members that were fighting me, and they were like, people aren't going to like that. And I'm like, listen, I want kids to love coming to church. We have an incredible slide in, in, in kids' church, and all the, like, they're learning the Word of God, but I want them to have fun. I want your kids crying. I love it when I see kids crying because they have to leave church. <laughs> Some of y'all were the biggest fakers on the weekend. When you were a kid, because you were trying to figure out how to get out of going to church. Listen, it's not going to happen on our watch. We are going to do something about this. And I'm believing that we're going to, with God's help, we're going to be the group of people that stepped up. Just like 14 and a half years ago, there were three families that stepped up and said, listen, they had never met you. They didn't know anything about you, but they stepped up and said, we are going to make the sacrifices to see people come to know Christ, you have that kind of opportunity right now that maybe it's going to be kids and students that you will never get to meet, 
but you had an opportunity to make a difference. See, I believe that, listen, we ought to offer our kids the best. And we're going we're gonna to build a state-of-the-art kids' ministries where kids, listen, for generations are going to come to know Christ in there. We're going to take care of them. We're going to take care of our special needs kids. God, help us to care about kids. God, help us to care about families with special needs, not to say, listen, they're annoying and like, like y'all need to get out of here. No, not on our watch. We are going to create a great space. They are children of God. I'm calling you to to, to step up and to make a commitment to say, God, for the next three years, I will sacrifice and do whatever I got to do. Listen, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing myself. My wife and I, we've had this conversation over and over. I'm not telling you you need to do this, but we're talking about refinancing our house and taking the equity out of our house to be able to make that kind of commitment. We believe in this. This is massive. Again, let me show you some of the phases. Are, are, here's some pictures real quick. Uh, this is the side of the kids' building. It shows, again, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, we, we want this to be a place that people love going to. Um, some more of the pictures. This is walking out towards the 10-acre lake and coming out to the back foyer. And uh, Man, uh, again, this is going to be a place you can invite your friends, neighbors to come out and be out there. Um, how are we going to do this? Um, again, this is massive for us to be able to do this. And we, as the leadership of the church, see us doing this in, in phases. Prepare is what we just came through. Purchase and improvement, improvement of the land. Again, it was $2.8 million that we purchased the land. We put the down payment on it. And, and again, the improvements of the land came out to $1.1 million. That's been paid for. You guys, through your generosity, we were able to pay cash for that. Amen? Um, Y'all keep staying excited now. Keep staying excited. <laughs> Phase one is going to be the children's space and auditorium. It's going to be $9.5 million. $9.5 million. Um, phase two will be the student and community space, $4.5 million. Again, it's $14 million total. But right now, in the next three years, we're focused solely on phase one. Now, if you came with your checkbook today and you want to go ahead and write the check for $14 million, we can shut this thing down. <laughs> Head to lunch. We'll start construction Monday. <laughs> this is exciting. And God's going to do this. Uh, I, listen, I, I'm not nervous. I'm not up here. I want you to relax. I'm not up here to try to convince you of doing anything. This is, my words, uh, are, they're, they're not strong enough to do that. What's strong enough, though, is the voice of God speaking into our life and showing us that this is worth it, that it's worth us stepping up and making some sacrifices and being a little uncomfortable. And, you know, whatever, again, your, your commitment that you're making, I, I would just say this is don't leave God out of it. I know we can, maybe you came with a number that you said, you know what, this is something we know for sure we can do. Well, what if you were to do a number that you know that without God's help, you can't do it? That you say over the next three years, God, with your help, we believe that you're going to help us do this. And I could show you scripture after scripture that tells you that, listen, if you step up and you trust God, this is the one area that God tells us to test him in, and it is with our generosity. Let me talk to you for just a few moments today. Um, just, you know, I, I prayed about and, and just really seeking God about what, what I should really um, 
Again, I don't, I don't want to talk very long on um, the next few moments that we have. I just want to just kind of give you some thoughts today as, as we're walking through this today. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go to 2 Kings chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7. Um, you know, let me ask you this question. If um, you only had one month to live, let's say you just got word that you have 30 days to live, how differently would your life be? What would you do different? What would be some things that you would do in your life in the next 30 days? I think for sure a lot of us would say, man, I'm quitting my job. Or you're going to go home and you're going to take this nap. Like I'm like taking a big old nap and then you're like, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to Hawaii. And maybe then you're going to go, I'm going to go to concerts. I'm going to New Kids on the Block or whatever. I don't know. Is New Kids on the Block still out? I don't Coldplay. (laughs) They were a good group. Uh, Anyways, Uh, maybe you're going to New Zealand to do bungee jumping off some bridge. You're like, man, I'm dying anyway. I'm going to go do it. You're going to go like, I'm drinking the finest wines. I'm going to go eat all kinds of stuff, charge it on my credit card. I'm dying. Some of you are already doing that anyways. Uh, (laughs) You know, if you had only one month to live, you'd probably not do some things. Like, you're not going to the gym. Why? (laughs) You're not going to go to Walmart. If you only had 30 days to live, you'd be crazy to go to Walmart. But you know what, if you only had 30 days to live, I believe you would live differently. And Tim McGraw in 2004, country singer, a lot of you guys know, just an amazing singer. Uh, He dedicated dedicated this song to his dad, Tug McGraw, that in 2004, again, was dying of cancer. And um, the song was Live Like You're Dying, and it was seven weeks at number one. And uh, the lyrics go like this. It says, I went skydiving, I went rocky mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I would love deeper and spoke sweeter and gave forgiveness. I'd be denying. If I could sing, I would sing it, but I can't sing. Someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. You know, it's a great song, and the truth is that we all are dying. We're all in the process of dying, maybe not in 30 days, but we're all are terminal. The death rate still hovers around 100%. You're glad you came to Creekwood. Do you know that? (laughs) So encouraging, uplifting word today. Talking about money and now about death. And (laughs) I'm not going back to that church. It ought to influence us, the fact that we're going to die. I mean, fact of the matter is you might die today or tomorrow or next week. We don't know. But it ought to influence, influence us. McGraw wrote, someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. And I know for a lot of us, our favorite day of the week is someday. And we're all about someday I'm going to do this and someday I'm going to go be generous and someday I'm going to love my wife or like she needs to be, like I want to love her and someday I'm going to spend time with my parents and someday I'm going to do this. And someday, listen, for a lot of us, it's a fantasy because the fact of the matter, it's the way we're going to live our life. We're going to just keep putting things off and we're going to just wake up one day and be 
if you're fortunate enough to know kind of that you're getting close to ending your time here on earth. But Psalms 118.24 says this. It says, this is the day, this day right now the Lord has made. Tomorrow is not promised. We will rejoice and be glad in it. How would you live your life again if you knew that you were dying? And these four guys that we're going to look at just quickly in 2 Kings, they were terminally, terminally ill, and they actually had 30 days to live. And let's look at it. The Bible says this in 2 Kings 7, 3. It says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and, then, and we will die. And if we Stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. See, the setting of this is these four guys have got leprosy. Again, uh, leprosy was fatal during this time. They were the outcasts. They're out in, at the gate. And the reason why is that, again, this whole, whole um, city there was this famine going on. They were under siege by 40,000 troops that were surrounding the city, and they were ready to kill them. They were starving them out, and they were hopeless. They were outnumbered. It was serious. Have, you know, have you ever felt hopeless and really like you were outnumbered and there was nothing you could do about a circumstance? This has happened to me personally just recently. A lot of you know that I'm not a big fan of cats. I'm being serious. Um, I love dogs. Cats are okay, but I lo- I'm a dog lover. I-, I-, I just believe dogs are Christians. Like, you just watch a cat. <laughs> cats are ungodly. They're nasty. No kid should ever have a cat. Um, my wife, over a month ago, told me she wants to get another cat. And you got to understand, the other cats that we've had, one of the cats lived over 21 years. I think God kept that cat alive. But my wife told me, I want to get a cat. And I'm like, babe, come on. You need to pray. You need to seek God. This is not right. She is getting this cat. She goes by and visits it, uh, loves this little cat. But you know what? You know you're under siege and things are hopeless. When your wife's not going to get one cat, she's getting two cats. I know. Y'all pray for me. We're going to get the cats today. Not to prayer. But seriously, these people in this story, they're hopeless. They're under siege. Um, it's, it's a bad situation what's happening to them. And these four guys that are, are uh, standing out at the gate, they, they know they're going to die. And they say, you know what, man, we're going to die anyway. Uh, if, we sit, if we sit here, we're going to die if we go. So I'm, let's just go towards the enemy's camp, and they start walking towards the enemy's camp, and they're yelling, don't shoot, don't shoot. It's just us four. We have leprosy. You know, they're, they're just yelling out, don't shoot, and they get to the enemy's camp, and, and something crazy happens. They get there, and they realize that everybody is gone. The whole camp is empty. And see, what happened was a few hours earlier, God had caused the enemy to hear noises. And in the night, the whole army got up and they ran off. And listen to what it says. 
in verse 6, the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites, Egyptians, kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The enemy got up and they ran leaving all of their food, all of their supplies. They left their iPads, smartphones, flat screen TVs. They left it all. And these four guys walk up, and this place is completely empty. They see all of this stuff, and listen to what they do. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents. They ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it, and they hid them also. They're living it up. They, they, they've hit the jackpot. And then one of the guys stops in the middle of them, grabbing everything they can grab and going and hiding it and hoarding it and trying to keep it all for themselves, and he says, time out. And I love this next phrase that the Bible tells us. It says, one of them said, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. I love this. See, because these lepers stepped up, God showed up. Don't. Don't minimize this story. Don't think it's some kind of fairy tale little story that's a nice little story. This is a real story that we have an account of in the Bible. Why am I making sure you understand that? It's because God's not changed. God is still the same God. And listen to me, $9.5 million may sound like a crazy amount of, of, of money for a group of people like us. You know, when I, when I began to talk to some of the experts about, like, what we were going through and church growth guys and raising money and all this stuff, and I, I told them, I said, yeah, our church is around 2,000 people, and I think we, a little bit over 2,000 people, and I think we can do it. And they brought up to me, they said, well, you know what, a lot of those people that, part of that 2,000 people are in the nursery. And last time I checked, the kids back in the back, the little babies are sitting around writing checks. And really was discouraging to me. And like, no, you, like, you, are you sure? You can't do this. And I'm just telling you, God has given me a supernatural confidence and a boldness that this is going to happen. That God is going to do this. I know the experts tell us that no way is this going to happen. Listen, it's going to happen. God's going to do it. I don't know how, through who, but I know that God's going to do this. And you know, one of the things that happens to a lot of us is when you know and you see this and, and you can learn this from these, these four guys is, is there's, there's something that happens to us when you know you're dying. One is you start to risk more in your life. You learn that you can risk more and you need to share more in your life and you need to love more in your life. See, if you want to experience something supernatural, you have to try things that are beyond your natural ability. Do you know that risk, to take a risk, it's, it's like faith. And do you know that without faith, it's impossible to please God? 
It takes a lot of faith. Listen, there's a reason why God talked, Jesus talked more about money than he did any other topic. And I know in church we get all weird about my, you know, when a pastor starts to talk about money, we all get nervous and we're like, oh no, you know, I don't, the church just wants my money. And I, listen, we don't want your money. Well, kind of we do. <laughs> God's able to supply this. I'm just, I just want you to, to, to know something. This is not something that I want from you. I, this is something I want for you. That you start to really understand and, and, you know, when you, you start to think about, you know, in Luke 6, 38, it says, give and you will receive. That doesn't make sense. That's counterintuitive. And we talked about last weekend the, of the power of the laws of the harvest and how investing in the kingdom of God works and how, you know, it doesn't make sense that when you give, you're going to receive. Most of us operate out of, you know what, when I receive, I'm going to give. It takes great faith. It takes you being able to risk it all and say, I believe so much in God's, God's faithfulness that God is going to continue to bless me. Listen to what it says. Given you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When you know you're dying, you risk more, you love more, you share more. And I just want to put this out to you today that I think a lot of us can relate so much to these four lepers and the fact that we were kind of in that place that we, you look back on your life and you think about what you did in your 20s or 30s and you were just out there lost and you started taking steps towards Jesus and man, you received his grace and God has blessed your life with like the family you have. God's blessed you with the job you have. Listen, you think you have the job you have just because like you just got that job. God gave you that job. God's blessed you with the family that you've got. You, you, you look back on your life and you start to look at the steps you took and you're thinking, I, man, I don't deserve what I, it was God supernaturally working. Like he worked with those four guys that they were saying, we can't stay at the gate. I'm moving, I am moving towards that. And God began to work. And you sit here today full of the grace of God and God's forgiven you of your sins. You know, if you die today, Man, isn't it awesome to know you're going to heaven? Oh, man, it's good to know that. But do you know that there is a group of people in the city and God's just bringing them in like crazy, that they're hopeless? They're hopeless just like the people that were hopeless in that city. And listen, I pray to God that if you ever start to drift into making your faith about just church attendance and thinking that me showing up and sitting on my butt weekend after weekend that I'm doing God some great favor. That you start to think God's lucky to have me and I'm just kind of kind of float along. Would you like, I pray God wakes you up in the middle of the night and you, you feel what these guys felt that where they said what we are doing is not right. 
that what we're doing is not right, that you write, that you wake up in the morning and you have a purpose about you, that you have a vision for your life, that you say, you know what, everything God's given me, God, God has blessed us financially, God has blessed us, and listen to me, I'm just telling you, some of you right now, you're listening to me talk and you are in the midst of God's blessed you beyond anything you ever dreamed. Everything you touch is turning to gold. People look at you and they say, how in the world is that person so prosperous? Could it be maybe that the reason why, and this is not an accident, that God has blessed you and God has given you the favor that he's given you is that this is the moment God is using you that says, would you trust me enough to let these resources flow through you? But you'll take what you have and you'll say, God, I am gonna step out so boldly and make this commitment to you that over the next three years, God, you can trust me. Listen, I don't know why God chose us, did and I do believe that, it, that part of it is, is that we've always tried from day one we've said this is about us reaching people that we're not a church for church people we're a church that believes that we as long as there's one more person that does not know Christ we are going to fight like we have no tomorrow to reach those people your kids, your great-grandkids that maybe you will never meet. The investment you make today and over this next three years, it's going to be worth it. I want you to pray with me today. And Father, thank you. God, thank you so much. for allowing us to be a part of something so supernatural that, God, you are going to bring, God, this incredible move of God in this city. And, God, we are going to be ready with your help. Father, I pray that you would multiply every commitment, Lord. I pray that you would multiply every offering that is given today, Lord. Father, I pray for those that are Today, maybe they're, they're looking at their card and they're thinking about the commitment they're making and they're like, you know what, I, I'm, I have left God out of this. This is a safe commitment. God, I pray that all of us would make commitments that we know, God, it can only happen with God's help. Father, we give this to you today. God, thank you for allowing us to go on this journey. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.